I'm Gab, he's Jules Blue Skies over West London. Jules, great to have you back. Nice yeah. top as well, La Dea. Of course. And I believe that's a Cristiano Doni shirt. Yeah. See, all the more special. <laughs> Why not go and celebrate a doping Max picture? Anyway, um, what a week. Champions League, it's back. We had the first yeah. legs. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into Real Madrid's win. Uh, Napoli coming away from the San Siro with one of the three. Inter beating Benfica. Yeah. I was there. Yeah. But there's one place to start, and that's the big clash. Uh, Manchester City against Bayern. Uh, it was interesting because it finishes 3-0. Say tie over. Although we've seen a couple 3 nils overturned in the past. You, know, you can ask Roma about that. You can ask Liverpool about yeah. that. Um, I think what's interesting here is that afterwards... Tuchel said the scoreline should have been much closer, and it didn't reflect. He said he was happy with the way they played, yeah. and Pep came out and gave it the whole, like, so hard, so hard to play against Bayern, they're so good, blah, blah, blah. Um, are they right, or are they playing to the crowd? Yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was right when Pep said that at times Bayern were the better team. I thought I thought that was the case only for the first, the first hour, first 55 minutes, let's say, because I thought they moved the ball well. They, for, until... Guardiola changed the way City pressed. I thought I thought Bayern did well to find Musiala, for example, straight from the centre backs to beat the press. I thought they moved the ball well. They didn't create tons of chances. Although Ruben Diaz's uh, block on the Musiala shot at nil nil is huge, to be fair. Haaland has a big chance as well at nil that he should have scored. But but I thought the game was pretty even for most of it. In the end. It's three because there's one huge mistake by Upamecano. There's a wonder goal by Rodri that he can try again. I'm not sure he would have a score again. And then the third goal is is when I think Bayern's head had, had gone already by then. So great for City. And they were very impressive in the second half, especially the way they pressed, changed the press from the 4-4-2 to the 4-2-4. And they were far more efficient on how to recover the ball, cutting the lines for Bayern. So well done, City, really. But yeah, I think if you're Bayern and Tuchel, you look at it and you say, Okay, it, it was not a 3 0 defeat, really. To those people who look at it and say, you know, I, okay, I, I, I'm on the record, I'll be, I can be both a big Tuchelista yeah. and also question the, what I consider to be the folly of getting rid of Nagelsmann in this way, mm. saying they need Tuchel to save the season. What we've seen, obviously, out of the cup in this game, this isn't on Tuchel. This no. isn't on Tuchel because, as you said, Rodri, you know, much respect to Rodri, weaker foot as well, but yeah. you know you can try that another million times. It's not going to go in. Yeah, uh, and the other one is an individual error, and that can happen at any time, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you saw, two, I was sat, no, I, I could see two holes reaction, and he was, he was just like, "Are you kidding me? What? They, we start well because they started really, really well, Bayern, and then this happens now when the plan was in place, when they kind of had control of the ball. I mean, how many teams go to the Etihad and have more possession than City, more passes completed than City? That just doesn't happen. And yeah, Bayern did it. And yeah, of course, they lost 3-0, so you, it's, it's not a reflection. However, until that first goal and up to the first half, really, or even the sunny chance straight after the second, at the start of the second half to make it 1-1, Bayern are very much in the game. Uh, you mentioned Leroy Sané there. Um, I thought, you know... <laughs> And again, it's narrative, right? But going back to his old team where he had, mm. you know, I think it's fair to say more lows than high in the sense that when he was good, he's unplayable. But that's that's kind of been Sonny's yeah, career, yeah, yeah. right? Sure. Yeah. Up and down, up and down. Um, he obviously wanted it a lot. And afterwards, you know, I think there's reports coming out, but I think reliable reports yeah, because, yeah. you know, unless he went and injured himself of a physical bust up with, with Sadio Mane in the Bayern dressing room. Yeah, apparently... Um, there were insults exchanged between the two. Mane didn't like the way that Sunny was talking and then punched him in the face, uh, lip bleed or something like that. I uh, don't know what will happen to Mane. There's reports in Germany saying that he, they might have actually terminated his contract. I don't know if that would be the case or not. But it's... I mean, I, I just... I know you lost 3-0 and Mane was probably frustrated not to have started the game and not to have played a bigger role in, in a game coming back to England against a team that usually is done really well for Liverpool against. But like, this is, wow, this, you know, there's tension in the dressing room and they're, they're punching your teammates. That's It's also, it's funny because, again, we have narratives. One of the narratives is Tuchel's return is going to, well, there's only so much you can do tactically. He's not going to have time to work, but he's going to bring unity. He's going to help them mentally, blah, blah, blah. And then you have something like this yeah, happened, yeah. which kind of says, you know what? There's only so much a coach can do. 
True, but there were tensions on the Nagelsmann before in that dress. No, no, but I'm saying is so it's that, not like bringing in Tuchel yeah, to fix everything, even going, that side of things. Yeah, same um, in two weeks. And, and, and I think this speaks to, to me, it speaks to something broader. And, and I'm sorry, this is on, to some degree, Brazo and the sporting director and Oliver Kahn. You put these people together, you need to have a presence in the dressing room uh, that manages. If you had a presence and this still happens, some of that, responsibility is on you as a club what would you do if you were like a you didn't buy a director or whatever could you really get rid of such a money for that i mean is is you can you can easily say like you know breach of contract in the terms of his attitude in the dressing room we terminate your contract i say you're you're a free player would you just fine him and he's back you suspend him for a game or two and then he's back what would you do I mean, you're asking lawyers a legal question. You know, I'm not going to talk about those. Um, okay, it may be grounds to cancel his contract. I, I generally don't know. I think certainly if I was an employment lawyer, I would, and I, you know, and I looked for my, I would fight it if I were mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. have a strong, a very strong case. And then, but to me, it would be so stupid. It would be an incredibly stupid thing to do when you have spent a large yeah. amount of money to bring this guy in. You've given him a contract. It's not like he's 40 years old. You can still get some production out of it. He's had injuries. He's not been great this season. Um, I, I would turn this around, you know, have a classical classic meeting and say, guys, you're on the same team. You want the same things. You, Leroy Sané, who has achieved, what, something close to nothing in your life? <laughs> you're going to have respect for Sadio Mane who's had success with his national team, who's had success with, uh, with, his, uh, uh, with his club team, who's was a Champions League winner. Mm. You know, you're going to respect Sadio Mane and not talk to him that way. You, Mane, as much as you'd like to, you're not going to go and punch this guy. You know, <laughs> I, you know maybe go back and... Uh, Just uh, a lot of punches lately. You know, like Valverde, Baena, even I, in the NBA, <laughs> Gobert on Henderson. Like, I mean, what's going on? Why are they punching each other? I need channel... You, you try to do the classic thing where you channel this into a positive, right? You say, yeah, right, you these guys, they both want it so bad. That's what happened. And they were so disappointed because yeah. they were playing so well. I think a good club... And look, while I'm critical of Brazo in many, many ways... Yeah. Um... I think this should be his bread, his bread and butter. Because you go back to what he was like as a player or what he is now, he is a confrontational person. He will come out and he'll say outrageous things and people will react and there'll be a fight and then you come back stronger, right? Yeah. That, that is kind of his, uh, his style of, of leadership. So I think that's got to be down to him, I think, more than Tuchel. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, I, uh, uh, Tommy has, Tommy T has other qualities, know, but he's not somebody you necessarily want to sit on the, on, on, on the couch with and, you know, and have yeah. a psychotherapy session. Um, but I think you have to keep going. You have to keep going. You've made a commitment to these two. You know, you're not going to shift Mane in the summer. Um, no. And it's as, it's, a, it's, it's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. You put it down to a moment. But first thing you do, unfortunately, there's a million witnesses. You establish the facts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who you provoked know, who? What was who said? Started, yeah, who provoked yeah, who? Yeah. There's enough players there. Yeah. And you say to them, guys, we're not asking you to snitch on teammates. We're not asking you to rat anybody out. We want what's best for the team. Yeah. You know, um, but, but no, canceling Mane's contract, I, I think that would, uh, unless there's something we don't know, that would be yeah, outrageous. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I, agree. Um, I want to bring up a, another point, uh, which is about Jamal Musiala. As you know, and I've gotten criticism from some Bayern fans for, 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 uh, for this, when I said, how do you combine Musiala and Thomas Muller into the team and post-Nagelsmann? Obviously, the first few games back, Musiala was supposedly coming off the injury, yeah. so he only played a little bit. Uh, at the weekend, they switched to a 4-1-4-1, no Goretzka. Okay, you can do that because you know Freiburg are going to go and pack the box and you know park the whole public transportation system in front yeah. of the goal. Uh, so you can have Musiala and Muller there alongside each other. Ultimately, though, you have to make a choice. And was it, I don't want to say brave, but of Tuchel. And Tuchel's pretty unemotional when it comes to this sort of thing, right? Muller's unhappiness with Nagelsmann may be part of the reason why Thomas Tuchel has this job. Mm -hmm. But now that he has the job, he's not going to necessarily cater to Thomas Muller. So... Yeah. If the base lineup, it's unthinkable to play 4-1-4-1 against City away. So the base lineup doesn't have Thomas Muller in it because 
either you play him at center forward or on the wing, and you've got yeah. other guys who play there, right? That that all makes sense, yeah. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought it made sense not to have him there. I, we would never know what would have happened if he'd started ahead of Nabri as a force nine, for example, or as a nine, or instead of Musiala, for example, behind Nabri. We would never know. But I just thought, for what Tuchel wanted to do in the game, and again to beat the City press use Musiala as... You have to use Musiala. Exactly, to receive the ball from Delirte and Upamecano, which they did well until until City changed slightly what they were doing. It, it worked. Musiala is an incredible player, technically, much better than Thomas Muller. Thomas Muller had many other qualities that Musiala doesn't have for now, but technically, I, I thought it worked, even if, in the end, I felt a little bit like I wanted more from Musiala in the game. Uh, I, I, I thought Stones did a great job on him, to be honest. And I thought all, overall, the City, the four, the four centre-backs who were either back four or three and Stones a bit more stepping up in midfield, were outstanding 1v1 pretty much all of them through the whole game. It was really, really impressive. But, but yeah, it, but you know what I liked? When De Ligt was on the floor uh, for like an injury and he came back on, but Tuchel asked Muller and Muller and Tuchel were talking, like, OK, if he's injured, what do we do? Who do you bring on? Stanisic? Do you do you move Pavas and Tabak? What you know? What do you do? Kind of thing. So I think Muller would still be involved, but on the pitch, you have to say that if you have, for me, if you have to pick between him and Musiala, I would go Musiala all the time, pretty much. What about Muller as centre forward? Because I want to introduce. Oh, sorry. Before I get to that, you mentioned John Stones, Barnsley Busquets. Yeah, we of we're course. on board with that. I mean, yeah, yeah. to a certain I mean, extent. I mean, some mouthwash, please, before yeah, yeah, you yeah. mention Busquets and Stones. <laughs> and Barnsley. At this stage, and yeah. Barnsley, yeah, all in the same round. <laughs> See, is there, whatever, I, I don't want to go there. But, um, so we mentioned the Thomas Muller thing, and personally, I think Muller can have a role in this team as a center forward. Um, yeah. I understand why he went for Gnabry in this game. Um because obviously he gives you he gives you the pace and you know you don't you don't know that you're when you're going to the game you don't know that you're going to have most of the possession right so obviously Gnabry's got a lot more verticality than mm. uh, uh, than Muller does I get it um, but it brings up the question of the center forward yeah and Lewandowski leaves. Eric Maxam Shupomotang's done a fantastic job this season but yeah. obviously he is what he is. And he was, was injured for the game. And obviously he was unavailable for this yeah. game. Um, you feel that they should have put their resources into a viable centre forward. Yeah, and Ali Hamidzik the other day said, yeah, in the summer we, we will sign a striker. So, I mean, Nagelsmann was happy for Lewandowski to go. And he wanted to go with his 4-2-2-2 formation where you maybe didn't really need a proper centre forward. I think very quickly he and everybody re realised that you needed one anyway. So, okay, you had Chupo there and you did a great job, as you said, probably beyond expectations even. Well on, beyond expectations. On the goals say. he scored and how good he was in certain games. No problem. At, at this level, I think Chupo, like at, at the level of the quarterfinal against this City team, Chupo would have struggled as well had he been fit anyway. So, I don't understand why now you're thinking, okay, this summer now we're going to go and sign a striker and why didn't you do it last summer? I mean, I would imagine the plan was, and I don't think it was a bad map plan, you had Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane, a, a fit Sadio Mane from the start of the season. I know they played in there a few times, it didn't quite work out. Mm. But Mane is your center forward. You know, I, I, I think that's, that would have that, that would have been one of the options, maybe the most viable option, because he's the best goal scorer out of the but group it's a of default, It's an option by default, right? Surely you can't plan the whole season and hoping to win a trouble with thinking, yeah, Mane could be a 35-goal-a-season striker. Because that's not going to happen. Well, why is it not going to happen? Because he can play there and do a good job. And we saw with Liverpool at times, him playing centrally, yeah. doing a good job. But this is not, one, it's not his best position. So you would take him away from his best position, which is clearly as a left winger. But you have Leroy Sané. And you have Gnabry, and yeah. you have Coleman. Kingsley Coleman. So you ha you've got three you know, people who can play in wide positions. True, but his best I, position is still there. Well, that's fine. But then you're unless you play one of those other guys up front, which you end up doing with 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 Gnabry. Yeah, you know you're still going to have you're still going to have that issue. True, but that's I, what I mean. You can't guarantee you can't guarantee you 35 goals as a centre forward. Nobody guarantees you. Well, you some yeah, some strikers <laughs> do. But, but 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 I don't think again. And this is where I may be in the minority here, but. 
I don't think you need a 35-goal-a-season center forward. I think what matters is the amount of goals and the amount of chances your team creates as a whole. So if the team creates, it's not like, you know, if Holland scores two goals, you get extra bonus points no, no, as no, opposed they to score, They create loads. And I just don't think they... And we saw that again against Freiburg, for example. Yeah. And they score loads. Um, against against Freiburg, that was a good example where, you know, with, a, with, with had Lewandowski still been there, they might have scored five against Freiburg at the weekend, right? So obviously there's a difference there. But, you know, rather than going and spending money on a center forward last season who might have been sort of a plan B, and you have four big name expensive wingers plus you have Thomas Muller yeah no I see I, 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 don't, I don't see this thing I, I but the fact that they're going Nagelsmann to buy one okay this summer coming is because they realize their mistakes from last summer I think to some degree it's because they're also reacting to media and perception and Matisse Tell hasn't turned into the next big, big thing and I know, Maxim, he's 17 he's 17 right but remember one of the reasons Nagelsmann went was supposedly didn't give Tell enough playing time even though yeah, yeah, yeah. he made like 20 odd appearances but whatever um no, I, I get that. But then you're stuck into the thing. Do I get a functional center forward? Or do I get an A-list center forward? Do I And then chuck money into that position. Yeah. And if I do that, do I have to sacrifice somebody you know, to make it work out financially? Uh, because remember, there's a lot of yeah, money going yeah, Nagelsmann's yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. And Tuchel's way. Yeah. So, I don't know. This whole thing, I think we get a little too fixated on the center forward. I think it could have worked. I think, frankly, with Tuchel, it can work. Um... And it'll be interesting to see how he does it. I, I like the Muller up front option, especially maybe not in big games, but against most teams. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have no, all the possession. I'd rather have mm. the big experienced guy in the box wreaking havoc and creating space. For me, the single most important thing is Musiala's fit. Musiala, Musiala can make the lick. This is the hub of your team. This is your spine. This is it going forward. And those guys have to always play. And other people adapt um, around them, uh, as I see it. I want to bring up Bernardo Silva, because we were talking off air yeah. about his battle with Alfonso Davies. I am I'm fascinated by Bernardo, because in recent games, a bunch of games where, you know, I don't want to say he, was, he wasn't good, or he was, he was slightly marginal to City in, in, in the recent run of success mm -hmm. relative to, you know, Riyad Mahrez was, was starting and a lot of, a lot of yeah, playing Grealish. time. Holland was scoring. Grealish was, was on fire. And then, you know, it's a kind of like a cometh the hour situation. He shows you can do the job wide. De Bruyne comes off and he does the job central. I mean, I'm kind of out of superlatives. This, this guy's yeah. really, really smart. It's incredible. I think it's incredible. And I've got a soft spot because obviously I saw him in France and he arrived completely unknown from a Benfica B team kind of thing uh, and and was amazing. And then I think had been quite a lot of time amazing with City too. In this game, you start him because he's a pressing machine and you know, and it's not just the pressing because he runs and runs and runs forever. I get that. There's a lot of players who can run who can't press. But he's so intelligent in the way he presses so he could cut the the angle of the pass from Delir to Kimish or from Delir to Goreska, for example, and then come and cover again Alfonso Davis if Delir has found Alfonso Davis on the side. And I just think when you can when you have a player like that, and Pep said it after the game, he said I've I've coached so many great players in you know Barcelona and Munich in Manchester, all of that. But he's one of, if not the most intelligent that I've ever coached, because I think he's like a sponge. You say something and he gets it and he does it straight away. And I can't believe that at some point they wanted to sell him. I really can't. I mean I know they wanted to sell him because he wanted to go. I get that. But but still you could have said, listen. You might want to go, but we can't. We can't sell you. You're too good. But just just before you you go, at 18. I, someone retweeted a tweet that I tweeted 18 months ago after City destroyed United Old Trafford 2-0 in the Premier League and won 2-0. And Bernardo that day, and I was at the game, played literally as a false nine, a false eight, a false six, a false ten. It was incredible. It was an education to watch him, and and to see him play with that kind of football IQ and intelligence. And on Tuesday night, it was a very different role and position that he had, and pretty much just as one on that right wing. But it was again just just a, such a pleasure to watch him play like that, and 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 just being so good overall without the ball, with the ball, when City had the ball, when Bayern had the ball. Just it's an amazing player, really. It, you know, we talk about sort of the ingredients that go into a footballer, and. And I've made this point before. He, he's he's obviously he's a very very technically gifted player as well. But 
and he's developed a lot of stamina. Mm. But what you said before about his movement and his pressing, that's up here. That's in his yeah. brain. That makes it more efficient because one thing Bernardo isn't is he's not a phenomenal athlete. No, definitely If not. you were to go and, and obviously these are all phenomenal athletes, you're like, oh, God, yeah, he's no, a better athlete than you are. He can run, but, yeah, yeah, physically. But if you were to go and rank City's athletes, I mean, I'm, he would probably beat Scott Carson in physical tests, <laughs> I would assume, all around, right? But other than that... Yeah, he's like, not Kai Walker. No, he's not, he's not any of these guys. He's not De Bruyne, even. De Bruyne has a level of acceleration yeah, which Bernardo Silva true, doesn't have. True, true. Um, but... He compressed so well because mm. he has stamina and because he's, in, he's efficient with his, you know, his timing of his movements. Yeah. It's, like you said, it's, it's a pressing machine. It's and, incredible. You know, it's also, I think, part of, maybe part of the reason we didn't see him as much during City's run in, in the Premier League is because teams know that City are going to press and so they're not going to, you know, smaller Premier League teams are going to be more direct and maybe not play yeah, out yeah. from the back the way Bayern are. And so you don't need him. And so maybe at that point, Mahrez uh, and, and Grealish shot wide are, are a better fit, right? Yeah, and to, um, to be fair, on Tuesday when I saw the lineup, I did wonder if Pep kept him fresh on purpose for this game, for Tuesday's game, saying like, listen, I don't want you to lose any energy playing against Southampton and all those dudes. Just stay fresh and ready for Tuesday night. And then, you know. I want to make a point about the about Alfonso Davies in this game because I thought he really, really struggled. Um, now, obviously, he is an attacking, you know, he's a yeah. recycled winger, he's a wing back. When Bayern had their sort of back three and a half um, under Nagelsmann, I thought that was a way to make it work. Um, I wonder a little bit in a game like this mm. whether it's actually really difficult for him to yeah. make that adjustment. Yeah, yeah, and the press. I really think that maybe not so much at the beginning, but again, we go later on in the game when Pep twisted the way City were pressing. It was just too. Can you imagine when you're someone who just wants to go forward? This is the idea: is to go forward as soon as you have the ball, pretty much. And then every time this little Portuguese dude is is in your face, pretty much all the time, yeah. and you can't shake him because he's always there. And the only time really is on that Sunday chance at the start of the second half where they beat the press and the City press was not just in place that then because so early in the second half. But apart from that, it must be really frustrating for, for Davis, but for anybody else, when, when City presses you so high, so well, Bernardo is there all the time. You can't, even if you try to dribble past him, then he comes back or then you have... You know, Stones there or Akonji there, they, and it's, it's, that's it the thing. To get difficult. out of those situations, and it's it's not a knock on, on on Davies, but you know he can rely on running with the ball, and but the minute you do that, there's always there's always the, the you always get doubled up. There's always the other man coming, and Bernardo Silva comes back. Come, yeah, 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 and then and it's a two on one. There's um, a couple of until in the first half where he he was he, he could put a good cross in, and he managed to get a bit of ground, and then the, his. And product was not good enough either. So it was, yeah, it was a difficult night. Final point, because otherwise we'll get in trouble. And Erling Holland. Ah, we have to. Number 45. 45 in 39 games. There's what, there's what another 15 to come? Something well, like Cristiano that? Cristiano and Messi got like 60. And like, <laughs> but he can, go, he can get to 60. He can get to 60. There's 15 games left. He can score, he can score another 15. It's pretty remarkable what we're what we're seeing and um, I mean like we've talked about him yeah we've talked about him endlessly I, I and think the best is probably the cross for Bernardo of all his game he missed that big he misses that big chance he scores an easy goal for him but he's in the right position Upamecano again nightmare night loses him okay but the cross for Bernardo if that's exactly what he wanted to do and I don't know but it looks like he meant it and that way it's an oh, incredible you think he might have mishit it I don't know. I I I I was just surprised by the quality of the cross. Like the cross is just perfect. I, I like difficult the fact conditions with the rain and the wind and everything. I like the fact that he saw the cross. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because I was like, I as a center forward, that's not going to be your first instinct, right? No. I, I would have thought, man, if you shoot or you don't have the angle, I thought you would have taken in, taken inside, waited for a runner, maybe played into pass of because I think that there was another runner coming more centrally as well. You do something like mm. that, right? You try to win a penalty. But instead, immediately his brain scans, sees, and nice. he pulls it off. Unbelievable. Uh, I think the whole Holland family was there. I bumped into Maxwell and Rafaela Pimenta as well at the game. So clearly, there was a big night for the whole Holland clan and got an assist like that in a game like this. And 
you know, we said before, he scored five and seven in Bayern, against Bayern before that, never won, always lost with Dortmund. I mean, this time he scored, assisted, won, pretty impressive. Big time player. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. All right, enough city. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Ismael Benacer's goal gives Milan a 1 0 win Ooh. over Napoli in their first leg. Oh. Jules, this is still very much in the balance, yes? Very much, of course, even if obviously Napoli would be without Anguissa, without Kim, but Spalletti said that Ozyman would be 100% ready to go for the second leg. So Ozyman makes a huge difference. If that's the case, if that's true, I don't know, he might have been playing with us, but if it's true, then it makes a big difference. I thought Napoli were the better team for moments in that game. I thought the intensity was great in the game. It was a lo- an amazing game in an amazing atmosphere in a stadium that you know well, of course. That is, I hope we never see uh, not being there again, if you see what I mean. But yeah, I think this one would be perfect for the second leg to, to watch. I love the banner the Milan fans oh, put up. Like, we're coming for you. It looked like Milan's symbol, of course, is the devil. And it's like, so it's like this devil. Oh, it was are about to kind of strangle the, um, this character, Pulcinella, which is this sort of Neapolitan uh, uh, folk hero. I, I agree. I thought Napoli in the end maybe had, certainly had more clear-cut chances mm. uh, than Milan. Equally, the thing about Milan is they hit the crossbar with with Simon Kerr. They had the Rafael Leao shot. Yeah, I do wonder a little bit. They were able to play with more intensity than they have. I think physically they're 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 a little better. But I still feel like for Milan, you got to take the game to the opposition more than you're doing. I know it's hard. I know the stakes are high. Yeah, um, I see what you mean. But it, it is encouraging and. Um, Magic Mike was special. And what about Brahim Diaz's turn on the goal? Wow. Uh, I thought you, yeah, but okay. Much love to Brahim Diaz, but, but yeah, you, should, you no, shout at Lobotka yeah, and, and was it Mario Rui? Yeah, yeah. Like between the two yeah, of yeah, you, yeah, put yeah, him yeah, down. For sure. Yeah, put for him sure, down. For sure, for sure. Uh, no question. For sure, for sure. Yeah, Magic Mike, I, I said before, like. Is there a better goalkeeper in the world? Thibaut Courtois? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, 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 maybe. Enough for the price. You don't need many fingers to count the ones no, that are better no, than Magic Mike. No, at that price. And Gab, Napoli boss Luciano Spalletti had plenty to say after the game. He wasn't happy with the officiating and he was concerned about the home crowd back in Naples. Yeah, so on the officiating, uh, he was unhappy with, with, with Zambo and Gisa's... Bah, it's uh, not a second yellow, come on. He, the, he wasn't happy with that at all. Uh, which, you know, whatever, I... At 11 v 11, you know, they, they, they still had those chances late on. Yeah, yeah, true, of course, true, at the true, end. True, yeah. um, but the story with the home crowd is interesting because this is such a weirdo story. And I think a lot of people have, have kind of missed this. And you've seen this in, in previous games. Um, so there's a portion of Napoli's ultras who are very much at war with the club and, and the president, the De Laurentiis. Yeah. They accuse him of ticket prices being too high, of putting in new rules, which means that if you bring in banners into the stadium and drums, you have to register them mm. with the club first. And, you know, they want to be able to put up their own banners without having the club approve the banner beforehand. Um, and so they protest. And so, which is part of the reason they were protesting in when, when, when they lost 4-0 at home uh, against Milan, uh, you had, it's about 700 people who not only do they not cheer, but they get angry and supposedly intimidated. And there were fist fights between them and mm-hmm. other groups of supporters who actually were cheering for the team. And it seems crazy that Napoli, one of the most passionate football cities in all of Europe, when they play at home, they don't have proper home support. You don't but think for a game like this, everybody will unite kind of thing? And that's what Spalletti asked for after the game. I mean, I, I would think it would be the, the absolute peak 
of self-harm yeah. that they say, let's put our differences aside for this one game. And then, look, I, I'm... I, I think the ultras bring a lot. I think it's a special part of the game. I can certainly see both parts of the argument, but you can't damage your team. Sure but like you said, like, you saw what the crowd in Milan were, exactly. were like. The crowd in Naples should be the same way. They need them, but it, it wouldn't be. And so it's it's an issue. Yeah. Jules, I need you to help me sort this out. Um, Jude Bellingham yeah. uh, business. I mean, last 48 hours, it's been a vortex of clubs reportedly ruling themselves out of the race to sign him, starting with Manchester United and Liverpool. In the meantime, others speculating, oh, Real Madrid think they have him. Oh, Manchester City think they have him. Yeah. Because of the Holland Like I didn't know Holland and Jude were best oh, yeah, buds. yeah, they're best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah they go on holiday. I'm, I'm, I can't imagine Jude Bellingham being into the yoga and the tractor and all that stuff. Yeah, that but you can Belling still be best mate even if you don't have to share. Like, okay, no, that's that, fine. Um, I, I just think that, okay, for United, they've got so many positions to strengthen that you have to prioritize. You can't spend 120 million on Bellingham and still have to spend another 100 million or 120 on a striker that yeah. you need badly as well. So they would have to choose what position to strengthen first and where to put their money because we know they don't have that much money either this summer. Same for Liverpool. And if you spend all your money on Bellingham like you did with Darwin Nunez and you don't strengthen in maybe other places that you should be strengthening, then that's why that's why you say like I'm sorry, but Bellingham would love you, but we can't because we need. I, you know. I think Borussia Dortmund and Bellingham's people are playing an absolute blinder here. They have turned him into the player of the summer. What's like, he going to be? That's everybody's kind of forgotten that. Uh, hey, look, Kylian Mbappe is a year away from yeah. uh, the end of Free his contract, agency. and it's not clear if his owner is being investigated for rape and torture. Not oh. rape and torture. Sorry, torture and kidnapping. <laughs> And, uh, the, uh, you know, like, it has dominated, it has become the story. Yeah, that would be the saga. Like, he was with Haaland last summer. And I think right now, right. City, Robertson yeah. and PSG are the three clubs who can afford him, who want to afford him. So, you know, PSG. Have Somebody might have to leave for that to happen. No, so. I don't think so. I don't think so. More much the United as well, Gab. There will be a third round of bidding for the club with the Qataris and Sir Jim Radcliffe. Still very keen, but Gab, you'll be shocked to hear that Thomas... Ziliakos, you know that Finn businessman, is out. Yeah, I'm absolutely shocked oh. about the uh, uh, that the guy we'll try, who's, though. <laughs> who's worth, has ruled himself out of the bidding. Look, why um, the third bid though? Why, like, why is it the second one? Do they want more money? They want to see more money. Look, I said the Glazers do not need to sell. I don't know how many times I have to say this. these deadlines. It's all nonsense. And the Qataris know this, and Radcliffe know this, and they're not going to come back with higher bid just because Rain tells them to. I think it's a war of attrition. They're waiting to see how things develop. What what the Glazers as a family want. Want to do not all the glazer siblings are interested in football they're going to see what kind of deal they can get from the you know the other pathway which is basically to to to, to borrow money whether it's from oak tree or or elliot or aries uh which is another option i think the option of buying out the siblings is also there if somebody will give them money to do it so i think the story's going to rumble on and people are going to get angry and angry at the glazers but you know what joel and avram are used to it people give them a hard time selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. Real Madrid down Chelsea 2-0 with goals from Karim Benzema and Marco Sensio. Your thoughts? Karim the dream. I mean, he loves playing against English clubs. He loves scoring against English clubs. Him and Vinicius again were outstanding. The best front two in Europe this season and, and last season as well, without a doubt. I was very disappointed by Lampard's tactics, by Chelsea overall. Uh, well, Real a team that don't press that well they're not renowned to be a pressing side and yet Chelsea could not get out of the press the first goal comes like that I mean the the, send, the sending off by Chilwell if you watch it again the two lines are so flat from a Chelsea point of view you wonder 
what kind of coach would coach a team like this? And again, and you know, I, okay. you know, I'm so not is happy it, with is that. Is it Lampard's fault that Cucurella decides to go and follow Benzema into midfield? Well, Enzo should drop anyway in the hole. But Enzo, as we've said many times, is not a six by... He's not a defensive Nage. midfielder. Exactly. He, he's always played with one six next to him. Right. And like, but... Lampard made a mistake with his, with his tactics and his formation. The players were not up for it. Uh, 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 let me bring you, pull you up on the formation. So, on I would pay- never play a back three against this front three of Real Madrid, put it that way. But go on. You had the three defensive midfielders, or the three, three midfielders, right? Yeah. Uh, Conte, Enzo, um, Enzo and, uh, Kovacic. and Kovacic, right? That's not a mistake. But it does mean that you sacrifice wingers if you do that. Yeah. Away from home, I'm saying it's it's within the realm of possibility that you're going to play three midfielders, right? Yeah. For me, the issue where you're talking about more like Sterling and withdraw Felix and say let's just nick something on the counter because that's the message you're sending. Yeah, but so just to start, that would sum it up. The back three is a mistake against that front three anyway. Vinicius on his own touched the ball 19 times in Real Madrid in Chelsea's box. The whole <laughs> Chelsea team, this is the whole, all, every player in that team that came on or started touched the ball 10 times in the Real Madrid box. This is just, it's just not good enough. And I saw after some translation of Lampard's press conferences when he said, like, oh, we didn't, we didn't realize how good Real Madrid were. Uh, how good they are, uh, you know, that they were that good. Well, I don't think points. that's exactly what he said. Yeah, I, don't, I would hope it's not. I hope, because then that would be unacceptable. But I just I just thought they didn't approach that game well. That's all. That's all I, I mean. Did you have an issue with, because obviously, as you know, I, I'm a big fan of the best on earth. Yeah. I, I don't understand, I don't understand this freaking obsession with Joe Felix, where, because I, you know, I kind of feel that, if Mudrik, if Sterling, if Averts, every time they got the ball, they did some sort of fancy trick, people would think that there's Joao Felix. I don't, I think he makes so many stupid decisions. The worst thing for me was, and, and, and I think this has kind of been overshadowed, you know when he's through on goal and he's got Aiden yeah. Militao chasing him, the ball's there, right? He gets there first, right? One of the most basic things you're taught from a very young age is take the ball directly to the goal, run across the center back. If you do that, the center back will either foul you, in which case he gets sent off, or when you go through to the keeper, you've got both sides to, to, to aim at. Yeah. Instead, the Muppet takes it out wide of the goal, giving Militao time to recover and put him off his uh, and put him off his shot, and then it becomes a lot more difficult. And then he you know puts in that that, that, that weak shot. Yeah, and well, well, you, well, well, you're the Tekkers guy. Why? No, but I, so why one, wouldn't you run across him? So one, he doesn't have the pace. This is not a Sterling, for example, or even a. He's in front of him. But but I think maybe he's surprised. I think he thinks I'm clear on goal now. I don't think he he thinks that maybe well, Militao will catch him. He's 25 years old. He's a professional footballer. He doesn't see Militao. He's not. So because then I th- I like what he did in the sense that he dummied the shot, and then that 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 buys him half a second to then has the shot that is not a good shot, he's on Courtois, because I thought Militao is going to block this, so at least there's that good thing about it. But yeah, you're right, I don't think he played that well at all. I, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm trying to have people like, oh, Chelsea Do you think they can do it next week? Against this Real Madrid I mean, team? you know, you, you say never say never, and, but I think it's, it's very, very much, very, very much uphill. Right, final word, Carlo Ancelotti, at the end, you like your techers. Uh, the first touch especially, the ball comes straight to him, he's on the touchline, stranding up, controls <laughs> it with the inside of his rifle, and then a the couple of hippie, uh, keepy hippies, and then passes the ball back with the laces. Oh my God, if you, <laughs> I could not have even more, even more nice. And, and he's 63 years old, exactly. and he's wearing a suit, and he used and to be a defensive moving. midfielder. He's so chill. Oh, yeah, he's got a hand in his pocket, yeah, and he's wearing Incredible, the swag is incredible. Meanwhile, Gab, you were there as Inter beat Benfica 2-0 in Lisbon. I don't think many saw that coming, certainly not me. So we knew that Benfica were on the slide and they only lost their second game of the season uh, at home to Porto on Friday night. But equally, this is an Inter team that had not won a game in a month. Yeah. This is an Inter team where there's you know chaos, blah, 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 we can't score. Uh, I looked at the numbers. Um, Inter, I think it was the last four games, Inter XG were like eight. 
and they only scored two goals. Yeah. To me, that says we can all go and roast Lukaku for his bad finishing and blah, blah, blah. But to me, that says you're creating chances. You're playing well. I thought they played this game really masterfully, took the sting out of Benfica completely yeah. in the first half. Barella coming up big and I mean, more first, than that. Was that. That was the first on target, that goal, that first goal. Right, but I think in terms of shots on target at that point, I think Benfica had one. Yeah, yeah, the Gonzalo Ramos so, chance. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but the Bastoni cross oh, is ridiculous. Amazing. And then he had another one like it later where the, the goalkeeper had to make an incredible yeah, save yeah, off yeah. of Dumfries, I think it was. Yeah, Dumfries. Um, Bastoni, six foot five, incredible. running from the back, putting in those crosses on the incredible. fly. It's just not supposed to happen. Yeah. But no, they're really, really well placed. And I'm happy for Simone Inzaghi because yeah. he's one of the good guys. And I'm happy. I, I have a column coming up where I basically argue that, you know, this team with all the veteran free agents and you know this team is a function of short-term thinking mm -hmm. this is a team that if they don't find 400 million dollars uh jang isn't going to own the club anymore you know in 13 months time however so they're living in the moment they're saying yeah, no, yeah, no yeah. planning nothing let's just make it work now uh, let's enjoy the and ride the, and, and the bros was 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 doing bros things you know and by the way benfica uh, roger schmidt okay you're one nil down it is over two legs there's no away goals rule he takes off a defensive midfielder, Florentino Luis, yeah. and he puts on a winger like David Neres. Now, I have no issue with David Neres coming on because this is a team which is very, very little pace. But why would you take off... Why would you do that? Yeah, well, it, was, it was weird. You did that in a one-off game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christophe Gaultier has been accused of disrespecting Ooh. Muslim players during his time as manager of Nice. Yeah. Jules, what's the deal here? I'll try to be clear and, and, and quick. We'd heard... We knew there were tensions last season at Nice around the Ramadan that the Muslim players felt something was going on there. Uh, but that was it. We knew also that there had been tensions between Julien Fournier, who was the director of football at Nice last season, and Galtier, and Galtier's adoptive son, uh, John uh, Valovic, who is an agent, well, without a license, but is an agent. So we knew all of that. We knew the people were talking about emails. We knew that we knew that was there, but nobody talked about it much, reported it, or anything like that. On Tuesday, uh, those emails came out, uh, and Julien Fournier wrote to Dave Bresford and Ineos in these emails, saying that he had a meeting with jo uh, with John Valovic and Christophe Galtier. Where basically, to, to uh, paraphrase it a little bit, but he says. That Galtier said to him, there are too many black players in the Nice squad, there are too many Muslims. Uh, and basically for the for the following season in the transfer market, they would they would they would have to get sorry, to sorry, have sorry, less sorry, black sorry, players sorry, and less Muslim players. Muslim players, once some observe Ramadan, some don't, some do it in different ways. As twisted as it is that you know you might have an issue with somebody practicing their religion, I can, I suppose I can stretch my mind to imagine how it might impact the team, fitness-wise, whatever. But what's the issue with black players? Not all black players are Muslim. No, no. Galtier apparently said, you know, we in Nice here. I went to the restaurant last night, and people said that we have a team full of black players. So that has to change, kind of thing. Um, yeah, so the attitude of those people who say that has to change. That's what has to change. Yeah, yeah. If this but, is what Galtier so said. So Galtier said he never said that. So he's 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 word against for right. his words. PSG are obviously looking at it very very seriously because of who owns them. Hundred oh, percent. Uh, and I think if it was proven right, Galtier could be in big trouble. El Mundo in Spain have new revelations about referee Enrique's Negreira case. Gab. Okay, so this has to do. This doesn't have to do with. It involved Enriquez Negreira, who is a referee who had a consulting company that was consulting for Barcelona. Yep. And, of course, there's a, there, there, there's a criminal inquiry in Spain over the fact that he received $1.4 million over between 2018 and 2021, um, when he was also vice president of, uh, <laughs> of the, the Spanish Referees Association, Referees yep. which is pretty extraordinary in itself. Yeah, so yeah. they're investigating that. There is no that they won't face any football punishment because of the statute of limitations. However, you know they could face criminal charges. Um, so El Mundo, which is a, a it's a Spanish, it's, it's not a it's not a it's a political newspaper. It's not yeah, a sporting newspaper. Like yeah. Clearly, they've had access to a whole bunch of leaks coming from Barcelona. So they revealed that in the past, and he's been working with Barcelona, I think, since 2002, uh, including that period when Laporta was president from 2003 to, to 2010, when he was president the first time, that he's received a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of gifts, um, oh, wow. such as uh, a watch worth 3,000 euros and four tickets to the Barcelona Arsenal 
Cup final in Paris in 2006. You may remember that. Yeah, um, that was the one where was it Lehman or Saul Campbell who got left, who got sent off in that final? Yeah, Lehman, and then Robert Pires was taken off. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because I was there. I don't Me remember. Too. I don't remember seeing Enriquez Negreira. Me there. neither. Um, but uh, it's just ugly. It's directed yeah. at Laporta. It raises things. It is true that. I mean, certainly, if a referee asks you for, you know, and again, it's Enriquez Negreira's consulting company. So it's not Enriquez Negreira personally, necessarily, although what would he have done with the four VIP tickets um, yeah. to Champions League final? It's just a really, really bad look. Yeah. Um, Gian Porta will address this case. He's, he really, other than initially saying, well, every kind of everybody does this, everybody cozies up to referees, effect reading between the lines. Uh, he's going to address this on Monday. There's a press conference, um, and he's apparently going to take questions on this. I think that's I think that's really really important. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're Laporta, if you're serious about this, if you have any questions, given that you know the quote unquote worst of it happened between 2018 and 2021, and yeah. Bartomeu was in charge, you come out and you reveal all the information you have, and if it means throwing Bartomeu further under the <laughs> bus that he's already been. Yeah. Because let's face it, I mean, sorry, look at the presidents that Barcelona have had, Bartomeu, Sandro Rossell. Yeah. All these people are people whose you know, reps are already in tatters. So if you do that for the good of the club, but you have to be 100% yeah. honest, I yeah, think, sure, at this man. stage going forward. Because more stuff will leak out. And this tells you, yeah. by the way, there's people inside Barcelona who are very happy for this information to come out mm. as well. Eric Ten Hag has revealed that Marcus Rashford's injury will keep him out for, quote, a few games. Yeah. Uh, Jules, that I presume that definitely includes the Europa League quarterfinal against Seville, the first leg at least, which uh, takes place tonight, probably their game at the weekend as well. Yeah. Uh, I think they play Forest, and then possibly the other quarterfinal and the FA Cup semifinal in 10 days' time. I mean, a yeah. few days translates to 10 days' time in football speak, no? Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, you know, they... They, they don't play in the Premier League, of course, because of that semi-final of the, uh, of the FA Cup. He, he, against Brighton, he might not be able to be ready for that. He might be able to come back for the following game against Spurs away in midweek after that, after that weekend. You don't know, it's a groin injury. He's working hard with the physios. You just don't want to take any risk on one hand. On the other hand, this is the final sprint of the season. You need him now to win the FA Cup, to win the Europa League, to finish top four in the in the league, which is not guaranteed right now. It's a very fine line. It's you a could fine lose. Line. You could end up completely empty-handed, or you know, you could win a treble and finish top four. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. So up front, good thing your your boy Anthony yeah, Martial is fit again. And, and Ten Hag saying that statistically, United are better with him. So I'm like, yeah, well, you know, based on a sample boy. size of two games, which is the number of games matter. he's played. Still, they're better with it. Dude, you go with Martial up front? Yeah, and, uh, definitely. And then uh, you do uh, Sancho on Ahead of Veghorst, and then you go yeah. Sancho and... Who? Yeah, come on. <laughs> Prosecutors at the Italian FA have wrapped up their second investigation into Juve, Gab, this time around undeclared bonuses and payments to agents. Do we expect any charges soon? I mean, given the amount of time that they've spent I mean, on come this, on, you assume that they're going to come up with something. I think the type of charges, I mean, they, they've said that it's it goes under sort of this fair play perspective. Uh, you know, you didn't violate specific rules, but you violated the the um, so the ethics clause, right? You, yeah. you violated the spirit of the rules. I think what they're going to ask for, I think they may wait until after April 19th to find out what the appeals tribunal says before they file the charges. Because if it gets thrown out, uh, the original charge, the one uh, over the um, over the excess payments and, and the inflated transfer fees, if that gets thrown out and it's thrown out on a technicality, um, they'll want to make sure there's no technicality yeah. this time around. Brendan Rodgers is still the bookmaker's favorite to be Tottenham's Hi. next manager, followed by Mauricio Pochettino, Julian Nagelsmann, and Graham Potter. But Jules, we've got two new names. Yeah. Burnley's Vincent Company and Feyenoord's Arne Slot. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, why is Rogers the favorite? It baffles me. It's he won the FA Cup with Leicester. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. He that's finished why. second in the league with Liverpool. Yeah, that's why, yeah, that's why. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. Why he would be the number one there. I like the other names. I like Poch, I like Poch Nagelsmann, of course. We're fan. Graham Potter, if you want, because you think that it was not his fault if he's failed at Chelsea. But again, I think that's risky. Vincent Company, we, we were with him not that long ago. Great interview if you want to check it out. Uh, I love him, love what he's doing at Burnley. 
Uh, I think he will be ready for Spurs straight away. And now in the slot, he's doing amazing again with Feyenoord like he did last season. So, apart from Rodgers, which I've got an issue with, and Potter to a certain extent. Uh, for the others, I'm all in. They're different profiles, of course. So it depends what you want as a, as a club, if you're Spurs, what you want if you're Daniel Levy, uh, and what kind of squad you're going to have, and you are ready to build for whoever comes in. But, yeah, this is a good list. Yeah, I, you're right. These are very different profiles. Um, the different approaches... Personally, I feel like Nagelsmann is kind of like the moonshot for them. Yeah. And so, you know, they're keeping him, they're keeping on hold the other people because they want to see what he says. Yeah. If they can get Nagelsmann, yeah. how much it's going to cost them. Um, because let's face it, I mean, Potter unemployed, Rogers unemployed. Pochettino has said every which way yeah, he wants to go back. Yeah. Um, you know, slot and company slightly different, mm -hmm. but. I'd find it hard to believe that they would necessarily move ahead of Pochettino, unless you have a reason for not wanting Pochettino. Yeah, yeah for know. sure. Back to Juventus. One of their leading sponsors says he would write to the club to put pressure on the players' behaviour after Romelu Lukaku was racially abused uh, the other day in the game. Yeah, so um, this is interesting. I think actually Juve handled, I wrote a comment, I think they handled this really as well as they could in terms of the action they took. They identified the fans who racially abused them. They took ownership. They said, yes, there was racial abuse there straight away. Not like, well, we're cooperating. We're not that sort of club. No, they said like, uh, it happened. We heard it. These are the guys who did it. They're never setting foot inside our stadium ever again. So I think you would need to be commended for that. The reaction of some of the players... Yeah, we, which we highlighted after the... You know, Danilo, we said... Danilo and Cuadrado. Yeah. Uh, you know, and on top of that, they're kind of players of, of, of color as mm. well, which you, know, you can read different ways. Um, you know, they, they maybe didn't have the wherewithal to understand what's happening. They kind of walked it back. So this guy, they, this guy is the CEO of, of Allianz, the insurance company. Obviously, the stadium's named after them. They, they, they sponsor the bibs. They're a major, major Juventus sponsor. He recorded this internal video, which was sent around to Allianz employees, saying, I'm going to write to Juventus to seek assurances. I'll tell you what, the only reason you go and you put that on internal video, which you know is going to get leaked yeah, sure. within 10 seconds, yeah. is if you want Juve to know this. And if you want Juve to know this and you're their sponsor and you sign a contract with them, I'm going to suggest that he did this with Juve's permission. Yeah. In other words, say, hey guys, I'm concerned about this. It makes us look bad. Juve said, yes, that's why we take this so seriously. It makes us look bad at hurting the brand. What if I do this? And you would say, like, great, go ahead. We need we want all the support that we can get to go and, and stamp out this kind of behavior. So yeah. if that's what happened, well done to them. And well done to you. So far on this issue, I think they've done everything right. Mm. The UK and Ireland joint Euro 2028 bid has been submitted. They're up against Turkey. Yeah. Uh, Jules, it includes 10 stadiums. Two of them in Liverpool and Belfast have, haven't even been built yet. But the biggest club stadium in England has not been included. No. Old Trafford. No, Old Trafford. Which is a shame because you get, you get fundings when you host, uh, when your stadium is picked to host a big tournament and you can refurbish a new stadium, which Old Trafford badly needs, of course, as we know. But yeah, no, no, no Old Trafford, but the Etihad is in, for example, no Anfield either. I don't think the Emirates is on, is on either. No, it's not. It's not either. So yeah, they pick, they seem quite positive and optimistic that they will get that over the line and that they will host that, uh, the Euros after the one that we have in Germany in the following summer in 2024 so yeah let's see but leaving out Old Trafford I don't know like, if, uh, what, I'm, I'm the assuming they, they don't want to spend public I'm assuming the city of Manchester doesn't need public money and if they did the Abu Dhabi just pay for it anyway so maybe that and then they don't want to be seen to be giving the Glazers money to That's, refurbish Old you Trafford you think so but maybe yeah, I don't know strange. but it, it seems given Old Trafford's history and everything what it Completely. means I, I'm, I'm a bit surprised yeah. Italy also bidding for Euros, Gav, and also against Turkey, but this time for 2032. So what, Turkey have already put two, like two... <laughs> back to back. Back to back. Wow, okay. It'd be 42 years since you last hosted a big tournament. Of course, the World Cup in yeah. 1990. Which is why we have these wonderfully vintage uh, stadiums. So you need the funding to refurbish all the stadiums. Well, it was funny because Italy bid for 2012 when it went against Poland and Ukraine, and it was one of the worst bids in the world. They were so sure they were going to get it. They were, they, no, seriously, like the arrogance of the people running at the time. Uh, they said, oh, well, look, it's surely not going to be Poland and Ukraine, <laughs> you know. And then, of course, it was. Yeah. They lost that bid. Um, and so that had this knock-on effect where nobody spent money to refurbish stadiums because they said, oh, we'll get 2012, and then, you know, the government will pay for all of them. I hope 
that knowing they get in 2032 doesn't mean that other plans are going to be put on hold. So, yeah. for example, Milan, one of the cities, they said it may be the new San Siro or the new stadium that gets built somewhere. Yeah. Right? Or maybe one of the two new ones if Inter, you know, like they keep, keep pretending like they're going to build <laughs> yeah. a new stadium too. Um, but no, it's good. It's long overdue. 42 years. Come on. We, we won four World Cups. Come yeah. Let, let us have it. Yeah. The England women's team streak is uh, over as they lose to Australia. Uh, Jules? Yeah, on Tuesday night, they lost Important. 31 games. I think they weren't beaten. Uh, to be fair, I thought against Brazil in the Finalissima the week before, they they were second best. I thought Brazil, especially in the second half, were amazing and should have won the game instead of... With the late drawing. equalizer and then went to Yeah, penalties. it went to pens. Uh, so I think it was, it was coming a little bit and Australia played well. And maybe it's not a bad thing so close to the World Cup that this is like a warning sign. And I think Serena Vigman said... said similar thing after the game this is, this is like you know um, do not rest on your laurels exactly for example the Premier League will stage a 16 preseason tournament in the US this summer Gab money spinning tours rather than uh, letting the clubs organize their own games and take all the money let's do it with the league branding it's a mix of clubs because you've got um, I was going to say like do we still count Chelsea as a big club yeah, oh, come on. <laughs> no, so, so it's uh, I, I'm going to go in order of how big I think their fan base in the yeah. is in the U.S. Uh, I'll go Chelsea, Newcastle, Aston Villa, Fulham, Brighton, and Brentford. I don't know how many American fans Brentford has. Um, how many American owners, by the way? Uh, Villa, Villa, uh, Chelsea, Chelsea, and Fulham. Yeah, um, yeah, they're going to play a bunch of games. I think it's the tweet is an experiment. They're not playing in gigantic states. So, for example, the games in New York are at the Red Bull Arena. Yeah, it's all on the East Coast, isn't it? It's all on the East Coast. Um, I think this suits the clubs, and you know, let's let's see how it goes. The Jean Kevin Augustin deal will go down as one of the worst in the history of Leeds United. They lost one legal case, had to pay Leipzig 18 million euros, and now FIFA's dispute resolution chamber says they need to pay. The player himself, 27 million euros. I have no idea how they calculated that number. Um, I'll tell you how. Jules, Sorry, remind us what this is all about. Yeah, so it's the 1920 season where Jean-Kevin Augustin, who used to be this wonder kid when he was younger at PSG, kind of lost his way, but he's under contract at Leipzig, RB Leipzig at the time. They loaned him in January 2020 to Leeds, who are in the championship at the time with Bielsa. They loaned him with an obligation to buy. Not an option to buy, an obligation to buy for... 18, I think at the time it was 21, it was 20 more. million euros. Yeah, it was 20 million euros. But not just an obligation to buy in case they get promoted. That's the way. So yeah. if you get promoted to the Premier League, you there's have an obligation. To you have for to this buy much. for 20 million. And also in the contract is written that if they go up, they have to give Augustin a five-year deal worth 90k a week. Okay, they sign it. They agree to it. They get promoted, albeit with the, you know, the season finishes later because of the pandemic, with all of that. And Leeds say, look, the contract says June 30th. Yeah. And but the season only actually ended in July August 12th or, or whatever, whatever right? Yeah, it was wherever it was. Therefore, August. we don't have to pay you. Yeah. And Augustine only played 48 minutes for us. We don't need you. Exactly. <laughs> so they basically let him free right. and say, we're not going to give you a new deal. We're not buying you to Leipzig. Leipzig complained, Augustin complains, in that place for Basel. Uh, and they will have to pay, so they've already paid, as you said, the transfer fee, now they will have to pay. So the transfer fee, so they went to, so Leipzig rightly went to FIFA. Of course. FIFA said, you guys are stupid. What are you guys? You guys need to pay this. Leeds, lawyers again, I'm really yeah. sorry, right? Find some moron lawyer who says, oh yeah, let's keep fighting this. Yeah, yeah. Pay me more money by the hour. Honestly, like, you know, nah, SCUM. Nah, uh, they lose at FIFA, as they should. Yeah. They lose again. They appeal to Court of Arbitration for Sport. More lawyers, more fees. More they money. lose again. So it actually cost them far more than the 18 and the 27. I, in legal fees. No, and now Augustine's come forward. I mean, of course. I presume they'll appeal this again and they'll go yeah, to Cassius. 27, 27 million seems like a ton of money, to be fair. Five-year deal on 90k a week. Why, why did you commit to that in the first place anyway? Why did you put it on paper? Why all those reasons? Honestly, I, this is a dumb deal. And we can crazy. criticize Leeds for it. Uh, I would like to know the names of the lawyers who advise them to do this. No, no, seriously. No, no, honestly. Honestly. More, more FIFA. Tottenham Sporting Director Fabio Baratici has launched an appeal with FIFA against his worldwide ban. Yeah, I think it's fine that he's going to do it. I mean, I think it's, what's going to be determined is if the Italian FA bans him or not. You know, wait another week yeah. and then see if your ban is upheld. 
unless he thinks he might get more bans later on. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's FIFA is going to are going to be the ones who are going to determine this. Leicester City have appointed Dean Smith as their new manager. Jules, does this make you more confident that he'll keep them up? Absolutely not. No, not at all. That's what I have to say on this. I don't understand. I don't understand this choice at all. Borussia Dortmund have extended Julian Brown's deal through 2026. Does that make sense to you, Gab? I think it does. I'm not a big Julian Brandt guy, but I think he's been he's been much better really this season. Um, he's contributing, and he's an important part of the team. Ryan Cherky is apparently eligible to play oh, for Italy. Right. I can't believe we, you put this story We had here. this conversation. He's 16 years old. He makes his debut, and you're like, he's better than Kamavinga. And so I'm waiting for him to get excited. Then I get even more excited. I find out his dad is from Puglia, and Cherky's yeah. actually, I think, his mom's last yeah, name. Yeah, that's right. He's also eligible for France and Algeria. Do I need to get on the phone to, 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 to Mancini and say, give Absolutely this guy a call? Not. Leave him alone. Leave our players alone, please. This is you not, don't need him. It's not Retegi or, you know, like an Argentine guy. Why hasn't he been capped yet? Don't worry. He's, we, he's a key player for our under-21. He's a wonderful <laughs> player, wonder kid. He will one day play for France and probably win the World Cup with us. It's still blue. Uh, it's still that you blue. Competition that you don't even play in. <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> Richarlison hasn't had a great season, Gav, as we often say, and still hasn't scored yet in the Premier League. And now his neighbours have lodged a complaint with the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals over his dogs. What? Yeah, I. This is such an odd story. Um, look, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a big animal lover. They're not <laughs> suggesting that he's cruel to his dogs. This isn't like they the, bark all the time, right, or something like that. Is that they make too much noise and they and so he needs to discipline his dogs. Uh, I don't know. Apparently, it's his 75 year old neighbor. Uh, look, I'm all for. You know, animal welfare should come first. Yeah. I don't know how you can judge if a dog is... I don't know enough about do dogs. If the dog barks, does it mean he's unhappy? Does it mean he's happy? Does it mean he's a I feisty don't dog? I don't, I don't know. know. One of them is this very cool-looking white husky, by the way. Um, maybe because it's so intense all the time that maybe the dogs <laughs> yeah, kind of like react to it. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, they say like, you know, the owner starts looking like the dog reflecting the personality <laughs> and vice versa. I, I, I genuinely don't know. I just uh, obviously hope the dogs are well taken care yeah, of. Yeah, for sure. Roland Verkus, who is the uh, director of uh, at Bursa Mönchengladbach, has confirmed what many of us kind of already knew. Yeah. Marcus Turam, Ben Sabini won't be back, which we knew. Yeah. Neither will Marcus Turam. No. Uh, thank you for this. Because yeah, we all knew it. He's out of contract in June. And one, they haven't really offered him anything. And two, he, he said to them quite early on that he was not going to renew anyway, that he wanted he wanted to move. Well, Bayern need a centre forward and they love taking players from other yeah, Bundesliga clubs. Probably be on the on their list, maybe maybe not the shortly, but on the list somewhere. I think he'd be on the list on other players at twenty five years old. I, you know I, I have a question marketing wise. Given it seems that there's a bazillion wingers in football and not many centre forwards. Yeah. So Turam just Pretend he's a centre forward. I mean, he's played them more. No, I know. Like, say, like, season. oh look, so, this yeah, is what yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But with the national team, I think he, he would mind you. Yeah, he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're right. It's not a bad idea. I, I mentioned that to Lilian. And also like, mention Arsenal to him as well because uh, I, I would love him. Arsenal. I, I know you're waiting for Flo to come back and I whatever. Would love, I would love him. And you know what? I would love him. Fit. I would take Kefren as well. I would take the whole Turam family in my house if they want. I welcome them all. It's great. What they, job would Lillian do? He can just, you know, <laughs> like come and do the Gavanjul meets to start with. Exactly. You know, and then we and then we figure out. And staying with Arsenal, Gab. Some were very impressed by a piece of skill from Gabriel Jesus at the weekend against Liverpool on, on, on Sunday, including the Premier League, who put the, 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 the video out on, on social media. And this, this kind of a, it's a sombrero, and then when the ball goes over the yeah. head of Chagua Cantara, and then some sort of no-look pass, some people say. But you, you've got an issue with that. I had a major issue with this, because I think <laughs> language matters. And, and I'm sorry, like... A no-look pass is a no-look pass. I think actually what he did was more difficult than a no-look pass because he's got Thiago Alcantara up his backside. He totally fools him, controls the ball, and then he goes and he, and he flicks the ball away in a pass. But, and then he turns his head. He turns his head after he makes the pass. And yeah. I think actually he doesn't turn his head to pretend like he made a no-look pass. He turns his head because he's, he's annoyed with Thiago Alcantara. Maybe he felt he was fouled or whatever, or felt he had something to say with him. I think that's actually why he turns his head. This is not a no-look pass. A no-look pass is defined. Anybody who follows basketball, like, like yeah. you do, knows what a no-look pass is. When you look one way, and while you're looking one way, to deceive the opposition, yeah. uh, you pass in the opposite direction. That is called a no-look pass. Ronaldinho did it a lot. Mesut Ozil did Firmino. it a lot. Uh, Andrea Pirlo yeah. famously did one in a, in a World Cup semi-final. 
These are no-look passes. It's still if a you, piece of skill, though, from It's a reasons. tremendous piece of skill, so don't cheapen it by calling it something it's not. <laughs> this is what bugs me. I'd love, I would love for whatever, whatever bot put that out on the Premier League fan account, um, uh, whoever called it a no-look pass, I would love them. Give me a call. Let me educate you oh, on what a no-look pass is. Learn some history. You know what? There's many great examples of, I said, Mesut Ozil should do this all the freaking time. Yeah. That's a no-look pass. This fantastic piece of skill something i had to say i'm not sure gabriel jesus had in his locker all praise for him yeah but not a no-look pass going back to the milan napoli game rafael leal kicked out and broke the corner flag <laughs> at one point just shattered in bits up in the air yeah. Jules, what surprised you more that he wasn't booked or that uefa despite all the tv revenue yeah. uses such cheap off-brand crappy oh. corner flags certainly the quality of the corner flags uh i mean more seriously i thought it was a yellow card when you did that so i don't understand why i think they have, you have discretion because oh, they, okay. they didn't quite do it in anger it's not like it was a super violent no kick, no, no i know just what's the Surprise me! It just shatters into a million. I know. Bits. Why is that what they're using? Like, I mean, unless it's recycle, <laughs> you know, recycling kind of like plastic. Yeah, or maybe whatever. it's based on that plastic in the sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm all for that. But if it's not, then sort yourself out, you folks. This is not. This is not quality. This is not the quality that we, you know, we we are used to. <laughs> Marco Den and others are reporting that Rudy Garcia is on the verge of losing his job at Al Nasser, and some are even speculating that Cristiano Ronaldo's new boss could be. A countryman of his, Juan Jose Mourinho, Gab. What do you make of this one? Okay, so let's leave the Mourinho. Mourinho has a day job. He has a contract. Another year. He's got a Europa League to win. Yes. He's got a top four finish together with Roma. Uh, he's got a new contract to sign with yeah. Roma. All these things. Um, I, I Supposedly, this is down to the fact that Al Nasser is still sucking on the table. And uh, so Rudy Garcia has one job to save, uh, one game to save his job. Um I don't know. I would assume Cristiano might have some say in the matter Probably. as well. I don't see why Cristiano wouldn't like Rudy Garcia. Um, I think it's None. it's simple as. And I, these one-game ultimatums, they rarely yeah. work. They rarely yeah, work. They always uh, Jules, that brings us to an end. But yeah. we got to come back on Monday. Oh, yes. It's a full weekend of action. Oh. There's leagues to be decided. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.